0: Welcome to Relatable. This next episode is chock full of great advice and great stories. I speak with Gretchen Hendricks, a faculty member of the business school at George Mason University. She talks about the different jobs she had on her way to a career in higher education, managing stress through her mom's health scare, the importance of network, soft skills, and your personal brand in business. We even take a trip down memory lane and talk about high school and what it was like to be the chunky gals in our class. (laughs) Gretchen is honest, vulnerable, and was so easy to talk with. I know you will get so much out of this discussion. Enjoy this episode. So, Gretchen, you and I know each other from high school, and yes. which is so awesome, and um, reconnected probably now, maybe almost a year ago in terms of email, right, because there was some things happening at George Mason, which we're going to talk about around the School of Business, and you had seen some of the stuff I was doing, posting on LinkedIn around soft skills development. So we got reconnected. Yes. And then um, had some conversations and felt like no time had passed. Absolutely. (laughs) And then um, I wanted to interview you, or I want to interview you, because I think you have a really cool job. And so I think it's great to have people on here that have interesting jobs and have sort of different ways that they got to those jobs and people can hear those stories. And then also we have this sort of shared history and shared experience Uh, around middle school and high school and i want to talk a little bit about that because i feel like those are such formative years and how people experience those can also shape where they go forward and so the purpose of this podcast is that sort of uh, it's sort of bipolar in that i want it to be professionally helpful or have people understand what's available to them in terms of career opportunities and then also uh, maybe you're stuck or maybe you're at a crossroads or maybe something's hard or difficult and so your story might help educate or inform or inspire so Great. i thank you for being here yeah. thank you for having me <laughs> so i just mentioned you're at um, george mason university and maybe you could just talk a little bit about what your current role is and what you're doing there uh yes i'm on my fourth
1: year as an instructor for the school of business at george mason um, i'm in an area called foundations or business foundations this area was developed five years ago and i'm i've been there most of the time that yeah. it's been in fruition, um, and. The focus really is about developing professional skills in our student body. Employers were giving a lot of feedback that we love George Mason graduates. However, they could be better at the soft-skilled side. Um, the hard skills were there. They're great at accounting, great at marketing theory, what have you, but you know, not so great at reading emotional intelligence or mm-hmm. giving presentations or working in teams. So these courses were developed, and I am lucky enough to be able to teach them Thank because you. they're fantastic.
0: I'm so jealous of that and that's it was so funny when we when we first started talking is we connected in this love of soft skills and how important they are and how i think with the advancement of technology and also i just think as time has changed there's less of a interest or i would say less of a importance on these skills i think at least when we were growing up i know like in my family there were certain expectations about how i was going to interact with people and show up and look at people in the eye and you know that was very sure. much part of like how i was taught to behave and i think i just feel like that was more so for our generation with our parents and that that is sort of a lost art and so mm-hmm. this idea that now at mason they're consciously and intentionally providing content and curriculum around this is fantastic and i know we talked about them being on the forefront and cutting edge and I've, i'm now starting to see or hear here about little pockets of other schools that are doing this but it's still not really that common and you had also mentioned that you in no even though it's in the school of business that other schools like like students in other schools are interested right and now there's waiting list for these classes absolutely i mean we
1: have grown exponentially in such a short period of time yeah. i think the first year they offered four or five sections and now we're up to close to 30 sections That's um, you know g- g- given spring or fall um, and we've even developed it into an online class, which which I did and I've been offering for ah. the past year. So it's it's been a fast, uh, rapid growth yep. um, in demand. So it is it is required if you're a School of Business mm-hmm. major, um, you are required to take the course. And there's two levels. There's a 100 level and a 300 level. The 100 level is focused more on um, adjustment to the college experience, making sure you're going to have a successful journey mm-hmm. at Mason. Um, and starting to develop those soft skills that are needed to navigate um, that college experience, like time management, academic integrity, uh, working in teams, giving presentations, and then um, focus a little bit on why am I majoring and what I'm majoring in, the career exploration side of it. What does it mean to be an accounting major? Uh, what jobs are gonna be available to me? What types of um, companies would I be interested in working for? Uh, And then the 300 level really focuses a little bit more on focus. The focus is getting you into the the workplace. So it's, you know, get that LinkedIn account up and running. Um, It's all like basically team-based. So there's a lot of group work, which the students push back on. But in the end, they tell me it's probably the best thing that happened in the class because, uh, you know, nobody works alone in the business environment. (laughs) You're always working with other people.
0: So interesting about that too, I feel like. Um, when you're in it, especially what you're talking about. And it's a lot of what my practice is based on and a lot of the coaching I do. And now I'm starting to do work with entry level talent organizations and, and also looking to work more with universities. What I've noticed is that students at that age, it's, harder, it's hard for them to see the delayed gratification of what you're doing here. So I think you talk to these students five years from now, seven years from now, and they would say, oh my gosh, everything they taught us in this class has come to fruition in terms of what you need to do. You can be a pretty decent individual contributor if you have a strong skill set in a discipline like accounting or even marketing or economics or even be a coder in technology, right? You can be an individual contributor where it starts to get challenging is when you need to influence other people and when you want to get promoted and you want to be a leader, all these things, right? So. Um, I feel like we could probably spend the whole hour talking on this alone but so did you always know you wanted to be a teacher like how did um, your role as a teacher come to be um, I've ha-
1: always had an interest in teaching uh, but I I didn't really you know focus on that as a career choice um, I knew I wanted to be in a helping profession yeah you know back in the day when yeah you, had to decide your life in eight minutes, or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I, I actually chose to go and pursue degrees in psychology, thinking I really wanted to counsel. Um, oh, and then yeah. um, realized shortly after uh, graduating from college and getting my first job, um, which was working for a private foster care agency, doing individual and group counseling, as well as interviewing potential foster families, that that is a sad, yeah. sad world. Um, it's amazing some of the stories of things that happen to kids and um, I'm just not the type of person who can't not take that home with them or want to solve all the, those problems as quickly as possible and right. um, that's you know, not always how it happens. These are long term issues. Yeah. Um, so I, I didn't know if I had the thick skin to, yeah. to keep going and that it takes a, a special kind of person to work in that, that world. Um, but I, I did still have that helping profession yeah. in mind. And so when I went back to graduate school, I focused in more on career counseling um, okay. and career theory and development and loved it. It was um, my wheelhouse okay. immediately. Yeah. Um, I took a class specifically on it and, you know, just thrived. That, that's knew exactly what I wanted to do from there on out.
0: Were you someone that um, academic? I usually ask this later, but just mm-hmm. given, were you someone that academics came pretty easy to? Like, were you someone that liked being in the classroom and like learning, and were pretty motivated by that? Definitely.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. If I was interested in what was happening, the content. Yeah. The content. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely.
0: And then, what was your undergrad degree in? Was psychology. It psychology? Yeah. And so you had, and you didn't need a master's to do the work that you were doing. I did with not. The, okay, yeah. At the time. With the foster. Okay. Right. And then. How long before you decided to go back and get your master's? Was that a long period of time, or was it pretty? Like, um, no, remember? actually, it was only a few years down the road.
1: Um, so I, you know, I figured out pretty quickly, <laughs> like I, I was I never going to yeah. have buy my own car or or <laughs> pay my <laughs> own rent <Yeah>. when, <laughs> if I didn't go back to graduate school and yeah. do something that was going to allow me to make some more money. Um, which is unfortunate because a lot of people. Yeah. Um, who work in those, you know, social work or counseling fields, Um, they do great things. Um, And so, you know, it's kind of an underappreciated role.
0: Did you have to work while you were in grad school or did you? I did. So
1: my strategy was um, my parents paid for my undergrad, which was fantastic. I mean, I didn't come out owing any debt. And I know it was difficult for them, you know, like they... You know they, they sacrificed. They did it. it yeah. They sacrificed and they did it. Um, and I'm still to this day appreciative of it because it made a world of a difference coming out of school, not owning any yeah. any dollars. Um, so, but I didn't want to ask for any money for graduate school. And once I realized that I needed to go back, and that was like that made sense. And my mom has a master's from George Mason. Actually, yeah. she's an alum in English. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, it was role modeled for me that education was important, and continuing edu- your education was important. Um, so I decided to target all the universities in the area and apply for jobs at them, because I learned that if you worked at a university, wow. you could go to school there for free. You're so um, smart. So any any university or college in the area that had a program I was in, a master's program I was interested in, I yeah. applied for jobs there, and it just so happened Marymount wanted me so badly. No, I'm just kidding. Marymount was the first to hire me, um, and so I went back and got my graduate degree there and all I paid for was my books. So oh, it was yeah. wonderful. That's and another
0: thing we have in common. Yes, yeah, Exactly. Yeah. We're uh, both alum. Yes. <laughs> we are. I liked Marymount. It was a great I good
1: loved it. It was you know, my graduate work there was phenomenal. Like I got to know all the faculty because I worked there also. I got to know all the faculty members. Yeah. I was personal friends with my dean and continued to be, you know, a relationship past working at Marymount. Um, and it was just a nurturing, wonderful
0: it is environment.
1: Great. I learned so much. And it was re- really ready to go out and, and for yeah. the, you know, take my skill set into the workplace from I love everything that. that I learned there. Oh, that's such a great story. I
0: okay. Know. So then we get your, you get your degree and then, um, what, what, what's your first role after mm-hmm. you get that
1: master's degree? So I knew what I wanted to do, but I couldn't do it because okay. I was too young and inexperienced. Okay. I wanted to be a director of career services. Okay. I knew cool. I wanted to do this. Um, for you know, some higher ed institute. So I knew that at 28 years old, no one's gonna hire me to do that. So yeah. I went out and strategically was looking at, well, what jobs are gonna allow me to develop skills that will lead into this eventually? Mm-hmm. Super smart again. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know, but no, we'll see, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. that intention It and in being yeah.
0: strategic about looking ahead is, is a great skill and something that you know, people can benefit from for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I knew that you know that's something that I wanted. So I went um, to work for a private human services consulting firm okay. um, as an employment specialist, and this was during the welfare to work mm-hmm. uh, programming under Clinton, the first Clinton. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, <laughs> um, and so I worked there for about two and a half, three years, uh, and I did all sorts of job placement and job counseling. So I was focusing on resumes, interviewing, networking. Branding, helping people actually, you know, get the jobs right. that they were looking for. So it was, it was working again in a really helping profession because there's a lot of reward yeah. helping people transition out of hardship, and you know, a lot of people get misconceptions about people who are on welfare. I have people with PhDs, you know, in our program yeah. that were just struggling um, to find, you know, longevity in their employment, and right. um, so I met a lot of fantastic people also through that experience and learned a lot. Um, but I, I definitely wanted to move on from that. And one thing I felt was missing is that I didn't know what it was like to hire people. I was always trying to uh-huh. yeah. prepare people to be hired, but right. I had never hired anyone or managed anyone. So I'm like, OK, that's there's a second piece to this that I haven't done. So I strategically, again, went out and applied for recruiting positions oh, just so okay. I could see who would hire me and see what right. I could learn from it. So I was hired by an IT consulting firm um, yeah. to recruit for them. And I wasn't so good at it, to be honest. I'll be honest. Yeah, it was. it's definitely a very different thing um, to sit down and go through resume after resume after resume and you know, connect people's skills with these very specific jobs and organizations. So I, I give kudos to people who are recruiters, because yeah. um, it, it, there is a lot of uh, detail that goes into that. Because I would think that I'd have these great people, and the managers would be like,
0: eh.
1: Uh, try again. Yeah, um, and also there was just so many applicants to go through. Um, I feel so bad some for challengers
0: because I started my career actually in campus recruiting mm. um, for a professional services firm, and I think what I within recruiting you were either loved by everyone, or because they you needed so much talent that they were like giving you a lot of money, or if you were had too much work in the consulting industry and not enough people, then it was like, put on the brakes, put on the brakes. So it was this constant like push pull of supply and demand. Yes. Um, And also I think with recruiting that is not, well, it wasn't to me until I figured out, you know, there's a sales component to it. Absolutely. And so, you know, influencing and being able to do that, I think is another critical skill with with the recruiting stuff.
1: I agree, and that is yeah. more what I picked up. I never really had to market or sell right. anything yet. Right. You know, I, yeah. I just thought of the of movie. Say anything, of course. Want to buy, sell? Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's bought, our generation is. just came out. There you go. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I that was I, I knew that that when I got in that role, um, you know, I knew I kind of maybe was a little in over my head, mm-hmm. and but I was I was learning from it. But I, I definitely was not a match for me. Okay. I, I definitely wanted to be more on the other side of the fence again. So uh, I wanted to stick it out for a little while. I made mm-hmm. it nine months. Um, but I you know, I started yeah. to apply for other things, knew, knowing that I wanted to get out of there at least around the year mark. Uh, and this one I found my first opportunity at George Mason University. So uh, they were hiring for a director of career services for the School of Business.
0: That is awesome.
1: I, uh, I met with the dean. We hit it off famously, and we're still yeah. uh, in contact. And she's one of my favorite mentors i've ever had uh and we just really saw eye to eye on a lot of things and i was like this is this is it here we go i'm gonna i'm gonna be a director of career services before 30. like i am ready you know um so i I did it i squeaked it in i was 29 and like three quarters when I
0: got yeah did you have um now in the age of like manifesting your destiny Mm -hmm. and vision boards and you know meditatively (laughs) seeing your future was it more you had a goal? That's the goal you were reaching for, and clearly you had made strategic moves to help you be best positioned for that. Mm-hmm. Did you do any type of like? Could you see yourself in that role? You know anything else that helped you reach that goal? Hmm, good question. I definitely
1: I think back going reflecting back to graduate school and a lot of the projects that we did. Um, really wanted that opportunity to run my own office. Like I yeah. had something I hadn't done and I wanted my own project, wanted my own team team. And and, yeah. and I knew I could just put something really cool together. Um so I was so excited to just have that opportunity. Like I had a staff of three and a couple student workers and a whole suite. It was mine and that's uh really she was cool. pretty much, you know, we had goals, but you know, kind of an open, you know Uh, leash to do whatever I felt was was necessary. And I really loved it. And for me, the emphasis was getting employers on campus, face-to-face time between students and employers. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what my program really emphasized. So I had a slew of employers come in every semester, face-to-face resume reviews with students, mock interviews, and then typically a variety of workshops on whatever hot topics were happening at that time.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah. So, how long, well, one, did it live up to your expectations in terms of the role? Mm-hmm. And um, two, how long were you there? You... So,
1: I was there for, let's see, 99 to 2003. So, about four years, a little okay. over four years um, before I transitioned out. And I
0: don't know if you want to hit on that story. <laughs> well, I <laughs> do. To talk to that story, I yeah. do want to talk about that story mm-hmm. really quick. So, was that in that four years, were you like super happy? Was it kind of everything realized and you were like, Kind of in the place that you wanted to be I in.
1: was um, until the Dean that hired me um, she transitioned out and a new Dean transitioned in uh, and and our philosophies weren't 100% uh, you know connecting uh, so that was a little difficult I felt like I had really ramped up and built something that had a lot of momentum behind it um, and really proven you know that yeah. I could I could do this and get all these employers on campus and all these students uh, were getting internships and full-time jobs and were really moving in a great direction Um, and they wanted to kind of move it back to a little bit more of a traditional place with career services Mm -hmm. um, combining it more with the academic advising which we have been doing kind of our own thing and they kind of do their own thing and i i can see where some schools do combine those but i think it was working just fine the way it was so i didn't see a need for change and they did so that was that was difficult to manage
0: yeah that's Um, hard yeah So then the decision to leave, yeah, let's Mm -hmm. talk about that. So were you already somewhat Thinking about like because of that transition of leadership, like maybe what's next for me just yeah. because it wasn't, you weren't a simpatico in terms of the vision?
1: I was, definitely. Yeah. Um, I was unsure of, you know, being able to kind of maintain the role that I was so happy being in. Right. So yeah, of course, as an employer, employee, you're going to think what's next. Right. Um, right. But life <laughs> life decided that for me, actually, <laughs> because I became pregnant with my first and, and only yeah. child that ended up with... Um, and uh, about two weeks prior to my daughter being born, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. Wow. Um, so that just threw a wrench kind of into everything. Uh, you know, I have a newborn. I have a mom who's going to be going through chemotherapy and radiation. That's a whole, going to take a, a whole year of her life. Right. And given the circumstances at George Mason at the time, it just felt like it was right to take a break and yeah. focus on my personal life. So I did. I resigned from Mason, but you know, with a heavy heart. Yeah. Because I really, really enjoyed my time there. And, and you
0: worked hard to get there. And I did. That's, I worked very hard to get you know. there.
1: And so on the, always in the back of my mind, there was, a, you know, there's always been a little little hope of going back. Okay. So my full circle moment did happen. <laughs> yeah. and, I we know, got together. and I was very excited that, that it did. Um, so yeah, I took a year and, you know, three generations sat in a room <laughs> while my mom yeah. had chemo and, you know. Ate a lot of popsicles and, you know, like just, it was wonderful to be able to, to push the pause button though and and be there for my mom.
0: And what did you learn during that time? Because I feel like it doesn't, you know, first making that decision is really hard. I, I mean, I, I've been in situations like that and it's hard to make that call Um, which we're going to talk about in terms of like, what, what's the, what if when you do that? Right. Mm -hmm. And does that happen in terms of like, what if I can't go back or what if I'm not going to get something comparable? There's that piece, but then, then there's what you can't see, which is the experience of it. And so what did you learn in that year? Like, what are some of the things that you're grateful for during that time? First and foremost, I'm grateful that my mom came
1: out on the other side of cancer and beat it and she's still here. Oh, that's amazing
0: congrats um, to her exactly
1: <laughs> she's still here and uh she and my daughter are super close yeah yeah and they're incredibly close like it's amazing I think that whole just that experience of of her being there through one of the most difficult times in my mom's life it just bonded them before they yeah. even got to even know each. you know what I mean really knew each other and they're they they don't even want me around like I I take <laughs> you're it, an expert. Exactly, most you're of the like time I was like you yeah, are fine you go do whatever you want to <laughs> do uh, so yeah. And were you
0: and your mom really close growing up? We were. Okay. Yeah, we were. So that was probably a tough Yeah. I too. mean, I was yeah. an only
1: child. So Zoe, Zoe my daughter's always an only child, I'm an only child. So yeah, you know, my I spent all my time with my parents growing up, whereas yeah. some some people didn't. We the three of us were always together. Yeah. And that same thing is now happening in my own family dynamic. Yeah. The three of us are always together. <laughs>
0: and we love it. We do. Well, look how good you turned out. Well so thank I'm sure you. He's great things for <laughs> Zoe. So um, I'm
1: trying to think what else was learned. I think I, I think that honestly, I thought, you know, once I felt like everything in my life kind of was back to a more normal status, if we ever get yeah, to normal, right? Like, um, that I would just jump right back into the workplace. Like, I didn't think that I would have any issues doing that because I'd always had, you know, momentum and trajectory behind my career and knew what I wanted to do. And this was the first time in my life I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my career. Right. Um, and when I was starting to apply for things, I found it very difficult to kind of, to insert myself back in the career place after being out of it for over a year.
0: When you were in that time, did you have any, like, did you miss work at all or did you have any regrets or were you so like in the moment and present in that situation Mm -hmm. that you didn't think about it? I definitely
1: missed working after about six months. Okay. Yeah. 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 I was like, kind of like, I'm, this is enough being home and, you know, just yeah. I needed, I'm the kind of person who needs to get out of the house. I need to interact with people. Yeah. Uh, you know, I thrive off of that. And, yeah. You know, not that I wasn't interacting with people, but you know, it's just, you know, it's a different thing. Focused, like I, right. Yeah. I felt like yeah. I had lost that, yeah, that internal like kind of purpose that gets you out of bed in the morning. Yeah. You, you know, like you, you're contributing something to the world, being a good global citizen, what right. have you, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I want to get to how you came back to Mason in a minute. Mm-hmm. I'd like to just, um, one of the things that I like to talk about is just, Middle school and high school. And, um, you know, I know you and I have shared history in high school, but for you, when you think about that, that period of time, um, are there elements of that time that has shaped who you are today? Mm-hmm. And if so, how? Like, how would you have characterized that time for you? When I think
1: back to high school, I think that it was a, a very John Hughes moment. <laughs>
0: you he, love those movies? I do.
1: I mean, he... That he, he captures it. He yeah. captures it all. He really does. And hes I could watch John I his know. movies on rerun. I mean, because yeah. you know, I relate to a lot of that. You know, the high school experience felt very much like things that were portrayed in The Breakfast Club. Um, you know, it felt like there was a lot of different social statuses going on, yeah. a lot of different groups going on. Um, I've always felt like I could navigate through those. I didn't always feel I was 100% belonging in one place. Um I definitely had a Molly ringwald size crush on a guy that was older than me, that never would have paid any attention right. to me. That whole that scenario, you know, from pretty uh pretty in yeah. pink was yeah. it happened. Is this all the, I'm like, maybe John Hughes was following <laughs> me back then. <laughs> yeah. And You're the subject the matter the subject matter of these movies. This is all co- this is making sense now, Teresa. So I'm glad you came it over. It could have been day. both wow. of us actually. Yeah. Like, yeah. So <laughs> it could have been. So maybe he yeah. was spying on both of us. So yeah. <laughs> It definitely, you know, I remember that, but I, you know, getting kind of to what we had talked about previously, um, I never, you know, my self-esteem back then, I just felt like this kind of like chunky, chubby, baby faced, you know, adolescent still when I felt like other people were maturing or looking, you know, a different way, felt or better than, than I was. And I wasn't there and I'm like, why would a guy ever be interested in me? And, you know, I never got asked out on dates. I, you know, I never had, like, a prom date. I went with all my girlfriends, you know. So I never really had that experience in high school.
0: Yeah, you know, we were talking about it. I think, like, both of us, we weren't exactly in the same group. But similarly, I felt like I moved between groups. And um, so socially, um, it's interesting. Like, socially, I al- I was always very comfortable and confident in, like, talking to people and meeting people and being friends with people. Like, that mm-hmm. part was pretty easy for me. Um and I don't know, like at some point, and I can't remember when, because I was overweight in high school, like when I realized I was overweight, right? Because mm-hmm. I think for early on, I didn't really think of myself in that context. And then it was like, wait a minute, there's a whole thing to being skinny and pretty. And exactly. those people get treated a little bit differently. And um, and so I, if I think back to that time, then I, I went full throttle mm-hmm. on being everybody's best friend because that's how I could have confidence and value and um and I don't know like was that similar for you in or or did you not really like at what point were you like wait a minute (laughs) I'm different or one thing's not like the other yeah I I think
1: there was some recognition of it back then mostly just more so that you know a lot of my girlfriends yeah they were being asked out and I wasn't yeah Mm -hmm. um and I didn't think I was unattractive or anything like that. I, I definitely knew, you know, I I, I think we, to put it kind of like a, in a weird way, yeah. one of our, when we had our 10 year high school reunion, mm-hmm. uh, a mutual friend had walked up to me and she's like, you know, we were the Monicas in high school, back in high school and look at us now. And she was referring oh, to Monica wow. Lewinsky and how Monica Lewinsky had gotten beaten up for her weight in mm-hmm. the press and stuff. And I didn't get it at first. So I'm like, what do you mean we were the Monicas? Who was Monica? Yeah, And she said, you know, we were like the chunky girls, the overweight girls. And now look at us because we're both, you know, like you just we just grew yeah. out of that. And you grow you grow up and everything's okay. And right. um, that doesn't define every, you know, your entire life. So right. it was interesting um, just to kind of reflect back on that.
0: Well, and I feel like, I don't know about you, but I feel like it's so funny because at tenure, I think is when I also had, lost a bunch of weight. But anyway, so it's mm-hmm. funny. It's like sort of at this moment, right? You And weirdly, it wasn't like I was hoping to walk into that room and be like, mm, like mm-hmm. everyone's like, look at her. Yeah. Because I had been that way for a while, right? But those people hadn't seen me that way. But I think what was interesting about me, at least at that time, is that it was more insular. I don't know that I really felt people making fun of me or people being mean to me because I think I didn't even, like I had crushes on boys, but it was like, Behind the scenes, um, except for one freshman year, I think the whole school knew about it because I tormented him, um, which I haven't mentioned him, but I'll tell you later. Um, and and it took till our thirtieth reunion where I finally had a normal conversation with him. Wow, you finally were ready And We've actually let it become kind yeah. of friendly, oh, well. but like I was so That's hung so up on my funny. own yeah. ridiculous behavior. Um, but I think I was so like I just knew that there was no chance of that, which is again very self-limiting. I mean, there's so much now about like if you could be confidence in mm-hmm. who you are and loving who you are is so much more attractive than really anything else. And so you can kind of be any size in it, you know? So Absolutely. I don't know, but I didn't feel a lot of bullying for it. Um, no,
1: I, I didn't feel I, that way either. And all of my, I mean, my soul sisters from high school, yeah, like they're me, loving, yes. wonderful, authentic human beings. And I, you know, without them and their support, like, I mean, I they never made me feel that way. Yeah, I think it was just more of kind of like a, a vibe that was yeah. out there. It wasn't like it was written down anywhere. It wasn't yeah. like you went to school every day and
0: we were bullied or made fun of. It was, yep. it was just hanging in the air. So you told me the story, and it's just so funny. We won't name names, but mm-hmm. you went to a concert. You said at a club, like, downtown, like, you were so much more adventurous, like, I never went anywhere, but, um, and you said that the, the, a lot of the band members were people that were, to our high school, that were seeing, like, uh, upperclassmen, right, mm-hmm. and they had t-shirts that had no fat chicks, right, they had, like, a fat stick figure with, like, a line through it, yeah. right, and then, similarly, I saw someone from that band wearing mm-hmm. that same shirt, but in college, and I had, like, lost weight in college, but I do remember seeing that shirt and having this kind of visceral response of, like, Holy cow, right? Like that's me essentially, yeah. um, and so I think that recognition of like you're in this other class, right? It's kind of hard.
1: Definitely, I remember that T-shirt. Like <laughs> yeah. obviously, I, yeah, I, I might have been the one to bring it up. I think yeah. I just said yeah, um, and remember thinking, I'm like, I wonder if that's what people think about me, like because I'm not yeah. the stick thin bleach blonde haired girl that the majority of—I'm sorry, our high school—if like, they're all going to listen and be like, I hey. "No, um, I can't
0: wait I mean, you. but
1: that, that was just the style back then. I mean, I, I was probably the only brunette that yeah. went to our high school. um You know, yeah, yeah. it's true. Yeah, it, I mean, I felt like, like that. Yeah, it was <laughs> like a lot of, a lot yeah, of things going on. Back. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but that just wasn't who I was, and I just—I feel like I, you know, my body type—I didn't. I was definitely chunkier and you know had a big baby face and I carried that into college you know but for some reason the boys down south liked me
0: so (laughs) maybe it's a northern (laughs) thing I don't know I think all (laughs) of this to say for people that you know maybe are on the chunkier side because I haven't talked about it on here much um in terms of my own struggle with that Mm -hmm. and honestly mine has probably been more um like I definitely got healthy and kind of figured it out but I sometimes still think there's that kind of heavy girl inside my head that I'm still trying to validate in some ways and I'm almost 50, right? So it's crazy. Like I think there's um, things that at that time are so impressionable, but the good news I think is that we both seem to be very happy and high functioning Mm -hmm. and well received people, right? And sort of the community. And I think there's, it's like, I talk about it a lot on here but like that high school or middle school time is such a like moment and it doesn't define you forever.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And one, another mode yeah. of self-reflection on that. I think that, um, you know, I've been married for over 20 years yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, um, I think whenever I feel like somebody comes at me with a compliment to say like, you look great, you look sexy or whatever it is, yeah. I'm uncomfortable with it. Even though I feel like I look actually probably the best yes. I've ever looked or did definitely yeah. in my mid forties now, you know, yeah, you look great. getting a little older. Um, but I feel like I'm I look great for my age. Yeah, um, and it's funny, I still I, I guess I, I get a little yeah, you know, have a little moment when people because I'm like, oh you're focusing I, maybe it's because they're focusing on how I look. And I've spent yeah, I've spent it. a lot of time, you know, I guess worried about how people were right. <laughs> thinking like about how right I that. looked.
0: So yeah. It's so fascinating. Um, and I appreciate you opening up about that because sure. I think it can help people. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully um okay so that was pretty defining for you and then anything else that at that time that you felt sort of shaped like I thought one of the things that I found interesting about your story so far is that you're very it seems to be very driven in terms of like I have a goal I'm gonna reach that goal and you knew that in terms of social work or in that career it wasn't gonna be an opportunity to make a lot of money so what are some of the things that happened at that time that maybe created that drive for you is there anything that sticks out or have you always been kind of a driven person? That's like, I think I uh, internally oriented, I, I am.
1: Um, you know, I I I had a little untraditional um, parenting as far as my mom was home with me in the beginning, um, and then she went out and kind of established like this big corporate career. Mm-hmm. And my dad was a um, uh, Arlington County firefighter who unfortunately got hurt on the job and uh, was forced to retire. And so he had to recreate a career. he went into real estate like you know that like was many the, do like many do. Um, which is wonderful. He was fine. He yeah. was doing his thing. Right. Um, but he so he was like a stay-at-home dad almost because he was home all the time. So uh, you know back then people's dads weren't home no yeah, yeah. but mine was. Um, so it was a little untraditional in that time frame. but I guess to say it, I was able to see two things from that one, a mom who was out, you know Uh, establishing a a really high-level career in the corporate world and you know very successful with what she did and then a dad who was able to you know that was his childhood dream to be a firefighter and that was I know a difficult thing for him to not be able to go back and be on active duty Um, so to have to completely change your career and then go out and still do something else but you know provide for the family be a happy human being all of that so it's you know both of them showed me two different things I think so for me, I've, I guess I've always felt like there's possibilities out there. You can go out yeah. and do whatever you want. Yeah. And I've never been afraid to try anything different. And I've had some other unique jobs we haven't even gotten to.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> so- <laughs> People would have no idea because everything yes. we've talked about so far makes it sound like I was on one track yes. when I haven't always been. Well, okay, well, tell me about that. Sure. Probably the most unique one um, was right before I went into teaching, actually. Yeah. I decided I wanted to go out and do something I'd never done before. Uh, so I start, I actually found a job on off of Craigslist, which I can't believe because
0: I love it.
1: all the people that are out there doing nonsense <laughs> on Craigslist. Do people even use it anymore? Probably. Sorry, I'm probably gonna get sued for that comment.
0: So <laughs> never, never. I
1: I applied and and didn't feel like there was anything that was gonna come of it. But it was a, a local chef had put an ad out there. They were uh, seeking somebody to help them begin a consulting firm and basically kind of personal assistant stuff. And I was like, this sounds really cool. I'm like I love food. I'm a foodie. Yeah. I'm, you know I can learn about something I don't know about. I'm not a very good cook. You know, like challenge me personally yeah. on a level, uh, and just like out of my wheelhouse. Like oh my god, just expose me to you know oh, something is, different. Yeah. So out of I went an interview. I got he called me or emailed me, mm-hmm. um, and went an interview for it. He said he had like over 800 people respond to his, yeah. Oh to my his god! Wait, you
0: can't see my expression. <laughs> It was quite an expression. Um, and
1: so he, because, and, and he had narrowed it down to like two or three people he interviewed and I was one of them. And he said it was my, my letter, my cover, I guess my cover letter in quotes, but my email, the body of my email, which is your cover letter. Right. My students are. Like, yeah. um, <laughs> that got it because it was, I just was very personalized and I really reflected on why I want that opportunity and what it, you know, would mean for me and what I could learn from it. And when we met, we really got along. So I took that on and did that for a year. I'd drive, I'd drop my child at preschool, and I'd drive down to his flat in Embassy Row downtown and work out of his house with him on various projects. And wow. it was in, very interesting. Did you learn a lot about food? I, I did, and I ate some really good food, which was <laughs> fantastic. He would either cook or um, run to rest like certain restaurants. So he had ownership or part ownership, I think, in some certain restaurants mm-hmm. still downtown. So he would. That's run and pick up food and bring it back sometimes. So it was super it was, cool. it was a, a very cool thing.
0: I love the openness to try something new and different. And one of the things that I have mentioned here that I wish, because I was sort of like a serial monogamous in professional <laughs> services. <Yes. laughs> and I really wish that at like, because now I'm doing my own business and I'm seeing how cool it is and how much I like it. Like, and that maybe I'm an entrepreneur at heart, that having some exposure to different, types of businesses or being in smaller companies or being in creative places, like how that generates just a different perspective and it makes you more holistic person. And so I, for people that are less experienced or, um, have this opportunity or maybe midway through your, you know, just being open to that, there's these other cool opportunities and that. So let me ask you just Mm -hmm. in terms of that taking that, like, did you feel like that was a risk? Did you feel like, did you think much about like, you seem like, are you just like make a decision and go? Are you mm. like a risk kind of, I'm going to evaluate the pros and cons of this and then? No, I'm not. I did not
1: evaluate the yeah, pros and cons on that one. I just, just did it. thought it sounded like yeah. a unique opportunity. I think one thing I know about myself is I don't like to be like everybody else.
0: Ah. Um, so I
1: always want to, I like to try new things. Um, yeah. I don't, you know, okay, I'll, all right. I gave in and bought guest jeans like everybody did before <laughs> you started freshman year of high school, okay? okay. And, and yeah. then I will admit, I actually bought another pair of guest jeans over the summer. So, there's another one pair back in my closet. Um, but I, I definitely feel like I, I like to push myself out of my
0: comfort zone mm-hmm. sometimes just to see what I am capable of doing. I love yeah. that. It's great. And it makes you feel, I think, a little bit alive, right? It's yeah. Adrenaline. It does. Okay, what else? What other funky jobs did you have? Uh, well, I. I think what we'll do is just start off what a horrible
1: teacher I was the first time I started teaching. How about that?
0: Okay, that sounds great.
1: So I uh decided after um I was working with the the chef the local chef, Mm -hmm. um, after about a year to break up with him. Yeah. And it felt did felt like a breakup because I had gotten so involved in his life and really, really liked liked him so much. Um but it was time to move on and yeah, there were some really large projects that just weren't a per, like I just didn't have the experience or the the bandwidth to help him with and like remodeling his kitchen, <laughs> even though I had rem- I had yeah. remodeled my own home, I wasn't really up for that. Like yeah. you know, I I love design, I love interior design. That's a side passion, but it was just you know a lot. Um, he had a lot of things going on in his life, and it was, it was time for me to transition out. Um, so I had done what I could do. Um, so I decided. I thought teaching was, yeah. had always been there in the back like, of my yeah. mind, you know? Um, so I, I had applied to just adjunct in a variety of places and knew, knew that because I only had a master's degree that mm-hmm. I, yeah, I know it's horrible. Yeah. I shouldn't say that. Right. Well,
0: it's very academia, academia, right? It, it is. Kind of... It
1: is. It's, it's a bone of contention, I think yeah. within, within the, Yeah. I, I, I think I have conversations on this too frequently, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I mean, I'm proud of what I've accomplished, and, and I I feel that my experience, I bring a lot of experience to the classroom, um, regardless of my education. So right. Um, back to what I was talking yes. about. So yes, um, so when I went into teaching and got hired the first time to as an adjunct, I went in literally mirroring the exact same experience I had when I went to college. <laughs> hey, get up. <laughs> I'm going to lecture. I'm going to write all sorts of things on the whiteboard. Yeah. Just write, write, write. I mean, I had a whole you know, wall of, of notes <laughs> written all on this whiteboard. And when I felt like you know, I'm doing this, I realized, not soon enough, right. that the whole time I'm there, I'm making them take notes. And my back is uh, to them right. the majority of the time that I'm teaching because I'm up here writing on the whiteboard. Yeah. And I am not <clears throat> engaging. I'm not interacting. I'm not asking them questions. I'm not, I, 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 but I, I, you know, it didn't even dawn on me until a little, you know, I kind of just followed what I had known from right. my own college experience. There were very few classes that I had that my professor was interactive. And to be quite honest, those are the ones I remember from my undergraduate yeah. experience. Um, so yeah, I, I, I completely transitioned my entire teaching philosophy
0: from and, there on out. And it's like a three, like how long are they with you? Is it in,
1: uh one like, an hour and fifteen minutes an or, or up to three hours, depending okay. on
0: yeah how they do it. Yeah. And when you started that, how long did it take for you to adjust? Like, because mm-hmm. I think one of the things I like to talk about here and you talked a little bit about when you made that decision to leave, but some of the challenges are harder times where you feel like you have to be resilient or you have to kind of get beyond your own fear or just feelings of like oh my gosh what if i got myself into where i don't know what i'm doing mm-hmm. so how long did it take for you to one transition out of that did anyone give you feedback or counsel or how did you kind of know okay i, I need to do this differently sure um i think at that
1: time i felt like i wasn't uh i i felt it in myself because like you knew something was i knew weird. i wasn't doing my best job yeah and and it was because I wasn't doing it the correct way, <laughs> you right. know. And, yeah. But I didn't know that because I was only going off of what I had thought right. a professor should be, or in my mind what a teacher should be or should be doing. Yeah. Um, from my own personal experiences, uh, so I started to actually do a little research and think, <laughs> "Oh, wait, what should a teacher really be doing?" And you know, I just wow. walked into this new career not even really thinking about. You know, I can do this, no worries, but not really researching and What does it take to be a great teacher? Um, And, you know, I really got into this whole idea of transformative teaching and thinking about the center, the student as the center of your learning, uh, and that just changed my whole, the whole way I would design anything I would do in the classroom from there on out. And I've been doing this, you know, like now I'm on, on year 13.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but I like, I learned that pretty quickly in my, you know, after my, it, at the end of my first semester teaching, if not like sooner than
0: that and changed everything that I did right away. So let's talk about that a little bit more Like in terms of like, what are maybe two or three things that you feel have made the most different in the classroom for you as a teacher in, in that environment. One thing I'm proud of is
1: that I get to know all of my students by name. So I have a personal challenge with myself. And this is, a you're talking 100 plus new students every 15 weeks. Oh I gosh. know every single one of their names by the end of week two, And so I make them feel like an individual in my classroom. That mm-hmm. is goal number one for me. I see you, you're here, we're gonna engage. I, yeah. I, I, I wanna hear your story, I want you to feel comfortable sharing. And then I think that helps build that trust mm-hmm. environment in the classroom where people do feel like they wanna share. Yeah. Because I I tell them, you're like my colleagues when I go to work every day. I love it, yeah. We're in a shared learning environment. I, you know, I'm not here to talk at you, I'm here to discuss with you. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know coming into the classroom you know they have part ownership of that room mm-hmm. and it's not me I'm like I'm not going to lecture I, you know I might lecture for 10-15 minutes to do an intro and give you my highlights or things that I want you to know um, but we're doing small group discussions we're doing large group discussions we're doing activities we're problem solving we're doing presentations informally informally so there's a lot going on mm-hmm. um, and the feedback I've gotten is like we like to go to Professor Hendricks's class because we never know what's going to happen that day yeah and I love that And sometimes I will completely flip things upside down on them and they're like, what? And I love that
0: because aha moments happen then. Yeah. I think one of the things we talked about for two is creating like a little stress in that environment, Mm -hmm. right? So I think you said building that trust, but one of the things I think is so critical and important is in that safe environment, presenting wherever that stress or that um, extra pressure is like you, you get to practice it and you get to fail and you get to work it out there so that by the time you get. To where you want to be or you know then you're ready and so I think you had talked about creating some opportunities for that and when you have that strength and or the trust there that's a great backdrop to be able to do that
1: exactly because if there's some trust there then they're willing to go back to taking yeah. those risk that we talked yeah. about earlier uh, and actually kind of presenting more of their authentic self <clears throat> but yes I do I do push and I expect some failure from the students throughout the semester and I'm very high on accountability I think they get a um, because I am friendly and engaging.
0: Yeah,
1: <clears throat> they get a, a kind of a harsh reality when their first assignment comes back and their grades not like A plus, A plus, A plus with like stars and you <laughs> stickers and rainbows <laughs> and everything. <laughs> unicorns, <laughs> you know, of the kind of person I am and how much I kind of give and you know how open I am with them and in, in, in sharing of who I am in the classroom. Um, but I, I tell them, this is college. There's accountability here. I expect a high level of work. You know, like, You're
0: know, you putting in a ton, right? So there's like a lot of energy yes. and work on your part. Um,
1: so I think you know, I'm about to hand back their first assignments on Thursday, and yeah. I've already prepped them. I'm like, some of you are not going to be happy with the grade. And I'm telling you this because I'm going to put it in the grade book, and I don't want 30 emails because we'll talk about it in class. And then what I do at the first... Uh, assignment is i I allow for improvement because how is somebody going to learn you can't just hand it back and be like sorry i did all these things wrong good luck next time right that's not a learning experience so for me i allow an opportunity to learn but that's what builds what we're talking about here is that resilience
0: i think too if you're mirroring a business environment when you work with someone and you're giving someone constructive feedback this idea that like the first time it doesn't go so well and a lot of students that are used to excelling in the academic space when you get into business skills and business relationships and some of the soft stuff that you're talking about it's a little bit of a different ballgame right and so how do you create and develop these skills just as much you spent so much time on those other skills so that interaction of saying here I'm gonna let you figure me out right you know Miss Hendricks and then also um you know we're gonna have this feedback and you're gonna get constructive feedback how do you take it and then work it just that's very common in business it's like you turn things in and you get it back and it's what like it could be shredded and start over <laughs> so um, okay so really quick about your career services role because one of the things that I think is could be really helpful to entry level talent is what are the things that you heard from employers because you were so employer focused what are the like again like two or three things that if you had a room full of entry-level folks that you could give them some counsel that they should be developing or working on or that you were hearing from employers sure
1: Uh, personal brands all about personal brand these days um and that comes with your use use of social media Mm -hmm. um what what what's happening out there um you know where are you going to be found if you googled yourself what are you going to find? Because employers are Googling everyone these days. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if you're out on that Twitter or that Instagram or, Thank God you God, know, us old people day. on Facebook or whatever we do, um, you know, be aware of your digital footprint because employers are. So, that would be my first piece of advice mm-hmm. um, be present on social media. Uh, the LinkedIn profiles, a lot of recruiters are using those to assess mm-hmm. qualifications. And a lot of college students feel like I don't, I don't have anything to put out there. I'm like, yes, you do. Yeah. Uh, you have more than you think. Um, so there's always great ways to kind of have a catchy headline. You're developing skills all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in your classroom. If you're not working, fine. But you're still developing skills. You're doing group work. Um, there's opportunities to get involved on campus to develop other skills. Um, you're developing skills at home doing things. Right. You, you know, you know responsibilities of, yeah. that you have. And, uh, so I, I try to. You know, broaden their horizons a little bit on, yes, there's a lot of worthwhile things that you're already doing. You don't have to go out and check this certain box to have this wonderful internship you know, at this company A right. you know, that everybody thinks that they need to do. Um, so personal brand, LinkedIn account. Um, and then I think uh, this piece about kind of what you asked me, what I would reflect back on as my yeah. own advice to myself when I was their age is taking opportunities to self-reflect and not be as reactive. As most people are in this day and age, yeah. Um, You know, take those opportunities. I I always say the week one in my classes that the next you know 14 weeks you will be able to think about you, and you won't have a lot of other opportunities in life to really sit and and ponder like who am I, what what choices am I making, you know, who do I want to be, yeah. Um, How is that going to impact or you know my me myself my my the larger scheme of things. So that self reflection piece I think is super important.
0: You know, it's so funny you say that because I, I I think about a lot of students today and how competitive everything is and how everyone's so focused. And I think even in the working world, too, to some extent, where everyone's so focused on performance of the now, right, whatever that means, whether it's in school, it's academics or in corporate space or academic, whatever you're, you're choosing. There's this like, what do I need to do right now to be X? But that, self-reflection of the bigger question. And Simon Sinek uh, has this whole thing on the power of why mm-hmm. and talking about, like, I don't think it's ever too early. I mean, you could be in high school and really start to think about what's your why. And one of the things that I love about coaching and this whole area of development is helping people figure out that they are unique in and of themselves. And they what, what they bring to the table is unique to them. So your why and figuring out what that is, is super important. And that comes from reflection. And so the fact that you provide an environment and not just an environment, but it's like you're consciously saying, take it and do this with it because it doesn't always come naturally to people. So the fact that you're doing that, I think is so powerful and hopefully they're taking advantage of it. They are, yeah. they absolutely are. Yeah. And it's
1: wonderful. Cause I, I make it, I, I think I make it very welcoming and exciting.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, they want to kind of yeah. walk that walk, go down that path. So so then in terms of that, and you kind of touched on it, and that maybe be your answer, like in terms of your even younger self, anything you would say besides being reflective in terms of counsel to young Gretchen, like that kind of high school version of yourself or early in college, is there anything else that you would say, now, now, Gretchen, <laughs> listen here? <Yes. laughs>
1: you know, it's interesting. Um, You've made me dial back a lot. Yeah. I know. I, you know, we talked about our high school experience, and by no means was it a bad experience. There were just certain things we were zeroing in on. I had, you know, a a good overall experience, and I really walked out of it with some really lifelong friends. You know, we're friends of long standing, or however you want to say it. We're not using the word old. Uh, So that's my one word. (laughs) We're omitting that word. Yes. (laughs) yes. (laughs) And so I, I, I considered myself grateful. And then along the way, with all these other experiences I've had, I've collected so many wonderful friends. Uh, You know, and and I think that I've been really lucky. Um, But I really loved my college experience. So I I went off to college and just, that's where I thrived. Like that's where I felt like I had independence. I, you know, I had wonderful roommates and friends down there. We were like a little family, like we did everything together. I branched out, out. you know, I I literally, one of my things was I didn't want to go to college with everyone that I went to high school with. So I was purposely applying to out-of-state schools um, you know, I got I got eight hours away, so I did pretty good. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to just go and experience something that I hadn't experienced before, and I really thrived in college and loved it. And I'm still in touch with all those yeah. people too, uh, so it's wonderful. And and the reason I bring this up is is because I use that network all the time. Mm-hmm. And case in point, just so this important. week, um, my students have to do an informational interview for my 300 level class. And I'm offering to help if they can't make a connection, you know, somebody out in the oh, no. professional world. And one student came to me. He's like, oh, I'm a management major, but I want to do something a little different with it. And I'm like, okay, cool. What do you want to do? He's like, well, I want to get into like film and video production. I'm like, oh, okay. I don't know a lot of people who do that. Let me think. And um, just so happened, I dialed up, you know, and thought to myself, I do know somebody who does that, and I went to high school with them. Um, and I still see them every once in a while so I reached out you know via Facebook and Mm -hmm. they're willing to do the informational interview so nice yeah yeah and I mean this this person's been very successful in their career they live in New York like they they're you know they produce some big things so it's like this is gonna be a really good exposure to for that person for that person yeah. yeah so I'm excited about that and I think that's what really energizes me is finding those opportunities for students, like helping, you know, build the foundation so they can find them on their own or helping them at the stepping stones to get there. That's my purpose yeah. as a teacher.
0: I think that network is so critical, and you have no idea when things come back around. If you could, like, that's such a powerful lesson, too. Yes. Um, for sure. Well, I thank you so much for your oh, time. You're this welcome. was fantastic, and I feel like there's so many great. Pearls of wisdom that you shared, and I I really think people will benefit from your experience and also the position that you're in right now to be able to help other people and students understand the value of these types of skills, but also just the experiences that you've had. So, thank you. Thank you, Teresa. I appreciate it. Thank you, Gretchen. I loved hearing about your personal approach in the classroom, how you set goals and then achieve them, and also how you learn from your mistakes and your failures. Thank you to Missy for producing this episode, and thank you to all our listeners who continue to support our podcast. As a reminder, if you like this discussion, please subscribe and rate Relatable. Leave us comments and reviews, and check out our webpage at TeresaFreemanAssociates.com. Relatable is sponsored by Teresa Freeman Associates. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram, and we also have a TFA Facebook page. Until next time, this is Teresa Freeman with Relatable.